from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. My name is Jonathan Small. I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. Very excited about my guest today. Scott Jennings joins us. Scott is the founder of Chiba Hut Toasted Subs, and Chiba Hut was founded in 1998 in Tempe, Arizona. And it's a cannabis-themed sub-franchise chain that sells, quote-unquote, blunt-sized sandwiches with names like Chronic, Humboldt, and Dank. They also have Cottonmouth, Cures, Drink Menu. So you kind of get the idea if you don't know what Chiba Hut is. And Chiba Hut can be found in over 30 locations across more than 10 states. So Scott has had quite a bit of success with this franchise, and we are here to talk to him about it and the origin story of it and how this all happened. Scott, welcome to the program. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks. Uh, yeah, 98. 98. Can you believe that? That's a, that's a while back. Yeah, it was kind of back in the day, weird to say that, but uh, yeah, 98, you know, things were a little different back in 98 when we, uh, when we rolled out, you know, as uh, things were... Uh, Definitely a different landscape. Yeah. Well, tell me what you mean by like, so first of all, let's step back here. Tempe, Arizona is the home of where ASU is, right? Arizona State University. And what led you to start the first restaurant? All right. Well, just taking it back a little bit, then I don't know how far you want to go back, but I grew up in Nebraska and, uh, you know, wanted to get the hell out of there. Uh, so I went down to uh, Tempe, Arizona, you know, growing up in Nebraska, we always idolized the beach, uh, themes like that. So I think that's, uh, kind of inbred in me from the beginning, you know, I started smoking weed probably 15. So, you know, eighties was kind of like my upbringing. I was growing up in the eighties with, you know, fast times at Richmond high was kind of like my, my show where, you know, kind of idolized California <laughs> guys out there. I think Spicoli inspired many, many, a, a pothead, right? I mean, let's yeah, face it. Had, uh, we recreated that VW bus. That's kind of like still a play in a Chiba hut today, but so that was kind of that. It's where it started. You know, I've been a stoner uh, the whole time. And, uh, you know, then I wanted to get on Nebraska, went down to Arizona, you know, back in the early 90s. I went to ASU, you know, uh, the skies parted, sun came out. Uh, awesome. Yeah. You're like, why, why do I live in Nebraska? <laughs> so you had this kind of vibe. You were kind of a stoner guy and you love the sunshine and all that stuff. But Arizona is not, you know, it's not, well, it's a medically legal state, but certainly back then, I'm sure pot was illegal. So what led you to create a restaurant that was sort of marijuana themed without marijuana in it? Yeah, and that kind of came a couple of things, I think, right? So I went down there in the 90s and, uh, you know, yeah, it definitely was. I think it was a seed, was a felony down there, right? And you had to go to different There was a lot going on. So, you know, it was tough, you know, and I didn't really like ever really move any weight, but, uh, you know, I was too scared. But, uh, you know, I was around weed kind of bit, quite a bit. It was scary, you know, and that's why kind of, it came to me, I went back and forth, right? So I graduated ASU, went to a uh, corporate world. That's really not my gig. So uh, I was always into restaurants. I was a stoner and a foodie at heart. So uh, I think kind of came from that. And, th and then nobody's doing anything cool, right? So uh, kind of changed people's views that, you know, stoners aren't just sitting in the basement ripping bongs and doing nothing. We're business people. And uh, I kind of wanted to change the view of that and get people together around food. You know, I said, uh, Cheech and Chong, you know, I watched a little bit of that. Nice Dreams was a little bit of inspiration. They're doing, uh, they're selling uh, ice creams after different uh, weed strains. 
So it came from that a little bit, the, the initial ticks, you know, I wanted to do, a, you know, maybe an ice cream thing and mimic that with, uh, you know, do something uh, legit because I couldn't, uh, you know, I had a hard time on the, uh, I was never good at uh, selling. You know? Yeah, not, 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 not much of a black market guy. So can you stay real, you know, and, uh, and keep it legit, do something cool without selling out and uh, change people's views on, uh, on pot. And uh, I think that's kind of where the theme came from. Yeah. And so the idea was to name things after different weed strains and kind of just make a lot of jokes about pot, right? And the whole idea about being mun- wanting the munchies and that kind of thing. Yeah, make a light out of it, you know, uh, just kind of get people in there to see what's up. Plus, everyone was like, oh, you can't do that. You know, can't do that. I was kicking the theme around. That's stupid. It'll never work. You know, and then as soon as you hear that, then I wanted to do it more. Right. You know, this is subtle little uh, FU to the man, too, that we still got freedom of speech. So I can call it the crack hut if I want. You know, probably won't be a lot of people there, but uh, we can call it whatever we want. Well, there is a place called the Crack Shack, which is pretty popular. So that, even that works, <laughs> except they don't sell crack. Like smoothies and stuff or like they sell chicken there. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so there's the Chiba Hut. So you come up with this idea. Was it hard to get the bank to fund it? Was it hard to get the go the usual the usual route of getting, you know, money and starting a business because of the themed of the restaurant? Definitely. You know, everyone laughed at it, said, no way, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. So it was it, you know, I had the idea in my head for a while. So I had to go, I had to work, you know, to save up the money. It's, a, it's your typical, you know, I put it on three credit cards and, uh, and, and $10,000. I believe my first rent was 800 a month there in Tempe. When I opened up my store there, it was a little ghetto for Tempe. It's not really that ghetto, but, uh, you know, I was in that, in the tough, in, in the tough neighborhood. Everyone thought I was slinging weed out of the back and seeing that, but I don't know what my drivers were doing, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, I was legit, you know, people would come and see and, uh, you know, and, and I'm a foodie at heart. So I think how it came through, it was one, it was, I want to do something different, something unique, right. Without selling out and still, uh, doing something for the cause. Because back in the day too, you gotta give a shout out to a lot of people serving time, right. A lot of people went to jail for stupid shit, right? For just having weed and having possession, the seeds, stuff like that. So those people, that's that's no joke there. So uh, you know, shout out to them, the first people through. But that so that was kind of on the concept, and also a foodie, right? Because it was a necessity to where okay, everyone come in, oh, that's funny, uh, that's great. But then we have good food, you know, from day one. Uh, you know, it's, it's all about the bread. Everything's served on bread. You know, I've worked in food since uh, you know that was my calling or the funds part. You know, I'd have my day job in the day and. The night job is one I'd like to go to. So, uh, you know, foodie at heart, there was a necessity for, uh, you know, I think everyone was faking it. We're just doing it for one reason, money. They weren't doing it to uh, to have food. I wanted an experience. You come in, it's not only food, but a food is what's going to keep you coming back. But it's an experience. You have fun. You have to have a place that's fun to go to. And a cool place to work is another thing that I wanted to do. Like, that's kind of what I'm getting to, I think, is when I worked that day job, it sucked. Oh, I couldn't wait until I get off five and go with my buddies at my pizzeria or go wait tables because it was fun to come to work. And I wanted to create a cool place to work where you can come. I don't care if you have tattoos or, or earrings, you know, before they were the thing. We don't care. You know, come in with, uh, you know, you have Mohawks. The, the first picture of my original crew is awesome. You know, I don't care what you look like. You know, just, just be clean and come in. Right. And you want to be able to relate to the customers too and, and have, yeah, have good customer service, right? Cause they want to be there. Yeah. And if your people aren't happy, you know, your workers, then, then why are you doing it? You know, what the, what, what's going on? 
And you can tell right away, like you're either working with a drone, you know, Mr. Roboto, or the people give a shit. And, and I think that's what you'll get out of a Chiba Hut is they're happy and we have fun. And, and that was my first thing is to make sure that uh, it was fun to come to work. It was fun to come to work, that the food was good. You were using natural ingredients, right? That was very important to you. Yeah, we try to keep everything clean on ingredients, you know, as, as much as you can. We're, we're staying with that, staying. And then we make, we make all of our sauces, you know. I don't think we're really busy. You know, our restaurants are really busy. And I mean, we are some prepping mofos. And, and we keep going back trying to tighten things up, right, where it's like, I understand we still have to make money, but you can't you can't get pre-shredded cheese because on pre-shredded cheese, they put the non-bonding agent in there, right? And then it sucks. It melts. It's plastic, you know. So these people go, these cut these corners so I don't, you know, we're not just some funny, uh oh, stoner concept. No, man, we're foodies and we'll prove it. Yeah. Where'd you come up with the name Chiba Hut? Uh, Chiba, that Tone Loke song. Yep. From the Chiba Chiba. Chiba. Yeah. And it goes back a little further. It was a Harlem Underground. Okay. You know? And uh, so uh, Schooly I D, I, Schooly D says Chiba Chiba, y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was Tone Loke because, you know, that's when I was uh, 80s. But you know, it goes deeper than that. It was an old slang name where it was deeper in. So uh, that's where that came from. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the name. So talk about when you first opened, was it an immediately a success or did it take a little while to catch on? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I remember that first day I had to either open or not. So nothing left. I'm selling sodas for a buck because soda machine worked first. But yeah, no, it was uh, all my buddies came through. I think we did I think 130 bucks first day. And I thought I thought I was rich, you know. Yeah. Oh, you were excited. Yeah. Fuck yeah. You know, because it was zero. <laughs> right. Uh, zero so to 130. Yeah. Right. Uh, 130. I remember I heard a guy was doing a thousand dollars a day down on the corner. He was another sub shop. And I, you know, I called him a fucking liar to get out of my store because uh, it was my produce guy I was saying, no, he's killing it down there. So yeah, it was a rough start. You know, um, I think I opened, I wanted to open that fall for ASU semester. And then I opened in uh, by January of 98. So I laid opening all that stuff. And then uh, that first semester, uh, very tough. And then uh, and then I, th- I think the only check I ever bounced was that summer. It was an $838 check. I kept it. And that was rent. Rent was 800 a month. So that was the only one I ever bounced. Never missed a payroll. You know, those are the most important. You know, landlord can, uh, he can wait. But uh, yeah, so that it was tough. You know, the first year, probably that first year where they say, you know, you go in and, you know, everyone bitches about a 40-hour week. They were... You know, they were 110. Wow. So how'd you turn it around? How'd you get people to start coming? Because it obviously ends up being successful. It was food in the mouth, right? And it was, there was a lot of people coming in to say, hey, you know, you're definitely dealing weed out of the back and what's going on over here. And they'd order up, they'd be like, hey, bring me a bag of weed, you know? And we're like, I'm like, no, man, we're just, we're doing Sandy's and, you know, people come to check me out. So I think they did, uh, the cops would come in and check me out. I was going to wonder that, yeah, did the cops ever come in and pretend to be undercover and be like, yeah, yeah and a bag of cheese? come in and some of them were kind of funny, right? They're like, they come in and eat and they'd see like, hey, man, this guy's, I'm like, it's tough out here, you know, dealing against these, uh, 5,000, 10,000 pound gorillas or whatever. I'm just trying, I'm just hustling guys. So that firemen, you know, stuff like that, they come around, you know, those, those are the people that eat out a lot. They know. And then once they had the food, they're like, Hey, you know, just getting food in people's mouths, you know, and that's what did it. If the food would have sucked, I would have been dead that summer. So it comes to that. And then, and then just, you know, being outside the box, it wasn't entertaining when he came in for lunch. Some people, their lunch is their best part of their day, right? So they come in, the music is playing. We have fun. We engage you. I think it was number one, the food. Number two, it goes back to a cool place to work. You know, my people were happy. They engage you. I come out and we, you know, we entertain, but we're not just in a food business. We're in the entertainment business is what we tell people. Now I read, I read somewhere that you had some interesting guerrilla marketing 
campaigns early on that you were handing out $5 bills to customers. Is that true? Or is that, a, is that just the media making up something? No, no, $5 day. Awesome. You know, so that's another one where we just roll in. I, I just wanted to, you know, hand out this five, thank you for coming in. Right. So, uh, cause the people already came there, they made that choice to come in and there's choices out there. I still do it. I still do it today. I'll roll in and do $5 day. And it's, and it's, it's really interesting to see people's reaction, right? Five is not as much now as it was in 98 or, you know, probably started doing it. I didn't have enough to do $5 day in 98, but we do that. And people, they're like, what, what? They won't take it. It was like, I got to fill something out, you know, cause they're just like, they've never been approached that way. But no, it's, it's, it's a playback to you. Cause I don't like the traditional advertising because you know what you run a three, $500 ad back then for a quarter page, one shot, right. <laughs> Where this, uh, you know, uh, you know, they start talking about it and that goes to the person that, that made that choice to come in. So yeah, $5 days, uh, they're a lot of fun. People get all worked up. They start hugging you and stuff. It actually gets a little strange. Did you, <laughs> did, yeah, I'm sure. Was it tough to market it other than word of mouth? Like, did you get some pushback from local advertisers or, you know, were you not? Yeah. A lot of it, not out of start, you know, you couldn't advertise in the papers. You couldn't, you know, you can see my palm trees where weed leaves, stuff like that. They'd say, you can't do this. You can't do that. And then I would say, well, then I'm not running an ad. So, but then someone would sneak it in. And then I think that's where I do like it when you have to put myself in where you have to perform. So things are low. So we made a big paper mache joint. I remember that. And uh, we hung it off the bridge at ASU. <laughs> That's awesome. And then that, so that got some stuff, right? We got that picture. So, but we go to hang it off the bridge, right? We get up there and we're carrying this big paper mache joint. It's got to be 10 feet tall. And we get up there and we go to hang it off and it, it, you go to clip it and it, I didn't make it big enough. You know, so we have to sit there and hold it while someone runs a hardware store to get different grappling hooks to hang the damn thing. So, so you go to do these things and, uh, you, you know, they don't work as smooth. You got this vision in your head, then you get there and uh, your measurements are off a little. And then here comes security, right? So we hang that thing and bailed and they called us up and said, you know, you better go take this down or uh, the cops are coming uh, uh, to do that. The VW bus, we had that painted. I'd take it on campus, you know, drive it to the middle of campus and then just get out and leave it, you know, until it got towed, right? And then a tow truck would be like, well, you know, then most tow truck guys are get approached and people are pissed, right? I'd go up and say, you know, hey, here's another 20 bucks. Go a couple more times around campus because people to see that on their back. They're like, you know, Chiba Hut's out getting in trouble fucking around again. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's kind of a little bit of a bad boy thing, too. That was kind of part of the appeal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love poking a bear, right? We love like, just doing stuff outside the box and the, the entertainment part. You know, I think I'm an entertainer the way it's like this plus a bad boy, a little, a little F you to the man. And they say, well, you know, who's the man? You know, well, you know the critics, the cynics. Right. And then we never heard anybody. So it's all stupid. So did you decide to franchise it? At what point did that come in? Or did you first sort of expand the restaurants and then get into the franchise model? Tell me a little bit how you, how you scaled and started to grow the business. So when I opened it up, I had that first one on Apache Boulevard there in Tempe. So that was that. Then, uh, you know, it was small, tiny, no walk-in, no one little bathroom in the back, you know, it was my 800 monther. So things are going good, you know, and uh, are starting to get better after that first year. And then a spot opened up on the other side of campus. And, uh, you know, I remember it, it had a walk-in cooler, which I thought was the coolest thing ever. You know, I reach in. I remember going in, smoking a joint in that walk-in. Uh, awesome, right? 
So I picked up that spot because it went out of business. And then, uh, so now I got two, right? Then after that one, Apache. So then I have two rolling, uh, makes things a little easier, right? Because you can go back and forth. And then the landlord that owned my first one, let me move over by Mesa to a bigger spot. So then I had two, uh, two good stores going back and forth. Then people started inquiring, you know, oh, this is, is kind of cool. How do I open one? How do I do this? How do I do that? So uh, just kind of came out of a uh, natural people just coming to me on that front, right? Can I open this? Can I open that? I kind of looked into it, right? Didn't really want to uh, be a cookie cutter. You know, I'm always worried about selling out, being cookie cutter and stuff like that. So when you franchise, everyone's like, it was kind of tough at first, you know, where I didn't want to do the traditional franchise and we're like, you can do wallpaper and do these cookie cutters and have this and that. I'm like, no, no thanks on that. You know, our murals are a big part. Each store's individuality is a big part. I believe you need to be follow the neighborhood that you're in. A little bit. So, uh, so that was tough. That was some learning curve there. And what I kind of did at first was, uh, I want my employees again, it goes back to a cool place to work and opportunity for them on the growth, right? So you grow for opportunity, not for straight cash. And, uh, so I started off with that where a guy working for me, uh, you know, did the first one. And then, uh, I kind of whittled that off to him and then rolled it in as a franchise. And then, uh, so I kind of like, uh, teach them. And then, uh, it started off like that where they'd have to get, you know, their, uh, uh, family members to, to, to join in and then they would help buy it. And then it kind of started out like that. Okay. So you, you start with your employees kind of doing the franchising, not, not just strangers. No, fly a little birdie, right? So you do them up, you go them, you teach them how to do it. Now, now you go make money, right? So that kind of taught me. And then that's how I kind of could kind of morph it to where, you know, then I get my percent and then it was cool to see, you know, the, the learning curve of like, oh no, this could, this could work. Cause you know, now we're down there and it's, that was part of the learning curve or the start of it. So now there's 30 locations. Uh, we just opened 33 on Monday in Dallas, Deep Ellum. Oh, we're gonna have some fun down there. And then it's COVID, right? So COVID throws a. Well, that was gonna ask you. So tell me about that. So that's really hurt the industry, your industry, tremendously. So tell me how you've coped with that. Yeah. So no doubt about it. You know that the COVID thing. You know, and that's and then us is be like to us. You know, it's about the interaction, not the transactions. Kind of like our moniker or whatever you want to call it. But uh, we want you to come and see us, right? Come and engage with us, stuff like that. Doesn't work too well in, in COVID, right? So there's where, uh, lucky, we're quick on our feet, right? We're small. So we, we still stayed with it. And our food, again, we doubled down on food. That's what kept us alive. We launched our app. I don't know if you got that. I sent out yeah, to you. Thank you. Yeah, I got it. But we launched our loyalty app, which is great timing because now there was the online ordering, right? So you could do a pickup and stuff like that. And, and I got to give a shout out to our customers because they're loyalists, man. They're fans. They, they'll, they'll walk through. They come They they come and support, right? Through everything. So that, right? You have your base, right? The base is keeping us alive and being quick on our feet. And I got to give a shout out to my leadership team. Just a sharp bunch of guys and ladies and, and pulled it together to where right away, no royalties, you know, right away, no, you know, a survival mode, right? Quick on our feet, keep your feet moving. You're going to get knocked the fuck out. So uh, there's where we keep that going. And uh, I think that helped a lot with uh, the online ordering. It was the door dashes, but then they're grabbing 20%. So you got to cut a deal with them. And you know, it's real out there. Have you had to close any of the chains down? We have not, not since COVID. I mean, some are getting uh, are, are a little rougher than other. I kind of flipped the script a little where, you know, I was always uh, 
we started out colleges, right? And stuff on that. And as we grew, we, we kind of like, we got bars in them, right? So that differentiates us too, but not a big thing in COVID. Bars aren't rolling too. That's the real, my, my understanding with restaurants is the, the booze is where the real money's at, right? Or- uh, a little misconception, but it's a lot easier to do that, right? To pour a drink than it is to make a sandwich with, uh, you know, throw it through the oven, stuff like that. So it is there and it's, and there's, and, and people, Still want to, you know, go get a drink without having to commit to, a, you know, a bar setting or stuff like that. So it is a big differentiator and it kind of plays into our uh, party culture because, uh, you know, we definitely like to throw down. Yeah. So just to clarify how you've kind of managed the COVID thing is that you've you've gone more digital in terms of your app and you've sort of had to shift the model a bit, right? So there's more like curbside pickup. And I mean, are people allowed in any of your restaurants? I guess it depends on which state. And that's what's crazy. It's different per state, per county in that state, per city, per everything, right? So it's just show. And that's a test out to leadership and a test out to our franchisees, right? Because we let them run. Uh, you know, we're not heavy handed and stuff like that. So then they, it's time to hustle, guys, man. We're hustlers. So keep your feet moving and we're going to we're gonna give you these programs. The great thing launched with the app, right? I think we have a great app. You can order it up, but you can walk in and order as well. And now you're back to half fulls, right? Uh, most of me go to half. And that's great because people will come in, they'll, they'll do half or, or the pickups, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, pickups, third-party delivery was big uh, you had to talk them guys down because you know that there's not huge margins and then they're taking a big old chunk so it was a combination of that stuff and then now opening and that's the ones that are existing in the marketplaces where you're existing right so like i gave a shout out to the fans but now when you're opening up in new markets you know we go in there throw big parties get rowdy throw joints off the roof where it's legal of course but we get crazy like that you can't do that now so we roll in we'd have our vips and our ramp ups to openings and, uh, you know, so we had to redo that too. And again, it's uh, just getting food in people's mouths and we're still having uh, successful launches, but they're not like they used to, you know, there's no doubt about it. It's a different landscape and, uh, and a new deck. Well, let's, you know, in a post COVID world and that, that will come eventually, have you thought about actually selling weed in restaurants where it's recreationally legal? Because I'm here in Los Angeles, right? And there's this cannabis cafe right here, which I'm sure you've heard about where, waitresses walk around with a iPad and you can order cannabis with your food. And it's, it's kind of revolutionary. And I wonder if you are, if you've ever considered that, because it's, it almost reminds me, I was thinking the way Netflix was set up. So Netflix was set up first as a video delivery place way before there was the idea of ever watching a video on online. Then all of a sudden, (laughs) now that you can watch content online, they have this business and it's like, you guys set up in 98, you were so ahead of your time as far as, you know, monetizing marijuana in a legal way. Have you thought about bringing uh, marijuana into your restaurants? Yeah, it's been brought up quite a bit, a different, that's different state for state, right? But it goes back to two. I never really wanted to step uh, step over that line. There's so many people doing that. To me, they're still different. To where um, there's still a lot of states that need to get on board, right? It's because we're going down. Then you know we're getting ready to open up. You know down in Atlanta and some places to where I mean it's coming online. But there's a lot of places down south where it's still like, hey, you know here. Oh, stoners. So there's still a lot of work to do there, right? So I think we're on the front lines there. And then to me, we've always had it to where, you know, uh, we're here to eat. It's about the food. Come in, you know, kind of get stoned on your own and then come in. I never really wanted to mix the two. We're going to stay with that. And with the bars in there, when you throw in, once you bar, when it comes down to liquor licenses, there's a lot of uh, red tape. Another concept next door or attaching or something has been brought up. And it is, uh, you know, they say the green wave. 
but we we're going to kind of stick with uh, getting out into some of those states and still this needs to become national, right? Because there still are people going to jail for uh, a lot less or getting out just for simple possession. No, that's uh, draconic, right? It's crazy. No, I, I mean, I just did a podcast interview with a woman who was in jail for six years just for depositing a check that somebody else had made money off of illicit marijuana. I mean, it's incredible what people are in jail for. Yeah. And then you read that and you think it's fake, right? I mean, I think I'm like, there's no way that's true. And it's 100% true. It's right? 100% true. I've talked to her and I've seen, I mean, she was my bank teller before this all happened to her. So I know her really? personally. Yeah. Insanity, right? And that's where, you know, those people do need to be, uh, you know, a shout out to or whatever, because then we're all, you know, I'm laughing and throwing joints off of the roof in only places that's legal. Are there Chiba huts in Colorado? There must be if you're there. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of where, you know, most of them are now. So that's where it came. So that's, I was banging up whatever. But yeah, so I started in Tempe when I whittled them off. Then I moved up to uh, Colorado. And uh, that was right about when things were starting to go legal and stuff. So uh, yeah, I moved up here. And then uh, that's where I sold off some down there and did the, uh, that's where the franchising really came in. Because then I sold off mine down there to some, uh, some old employees and stuff. And then uh, I came up here, started doing the same thing, open them and then kick them out to my boys and, and getting some things smart there. Then we really uh, started to uh, get aggressive on the growth up here. So yeah, and Colorado is our, our, our best market. I think we've got 16 up here. Wow. Yeah. Are there any in California? Yes. There's uh, San Diego. Okay. That's why I don't know it because I'm in LA. I don't know the, the San Diego. We're sniffing. We're going to open up Riverside's in here training uh, this week. So uh, Riverside should be open uh, next month. That's great. So you're, you, you know, you've been very successful. I love, you know, a lot of people listening to this are aspiring entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs themselves that always love to hear some inspiration. Uh, what would be your best advice to somebody wanting to open up, let's say specifically a, a restaurant, especially now, you know, in the, this age, COVID, what would you tell them? What do you wish somebody told you before you started? A restaurant? I'd say run like hell. <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah, but do something else. Yeah, do something else. All right, let's not do. Let's not limit it to restaurants beyond a restaurant. No, but that's the thing that motivated me when everyone said you can't do that. You know, I'm like, well, yes, I can, and I can do it well. But no, I'd say you just got to go for it, right? You got to go. You got to go all in. And they say that, and then uh, then when you're in there, you know, it's you got to you got to go all in. Just go for it. Be smart about it, but at the same time, you know. You need to find a mentor. You know, I'd say mentor up, right? And then even when you when you talk to everybody, same thing. Landlord, can you be my mentor? Help me out because then they let you in. Because the lady Betsy Bayless out there who gave me my first spot in uh, Tempe, everyone was like, "Get out of here! Get away! No way!" You know, yeah, it was a shithole, and I had to do it, but she let me in. If she didn't, I'd never made it, right? And so, so it's that. But you got to win them over. You know, you got to go in there and keep, uh, you know, no, no, no. You get all those no's, like everybody says, and. Uh, and do that and, and, and just read, read, read. There's so many good books out there. Stuff what like were that. some of the books that have been the ones that really helped you? Back in the day, I think it was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad helped me put companies together and, and do that kind of thing. But now, right now, I'd say now the big ones are I'm everything from that 50 cent book was pretty good. I didn't really was hustling, right? Because we're all hustlers, hustle hard, hustle smarter. I'm everything from that to extreme ownership. You know, that's a big spread there with, you know, you got Rocco versus 50 cent, you know, big spread. And uh, and then uh, Timothy Ferris, right? Oh shit, that that, that one, uh, Tools of Titans. I very I recommend that one big time. That's uh, 
I can't, I can't stop that one. And then that's hard too, because everyone has the same amount of time, right? It comes down to time as the master. You have to use your time well. Everyone has the same amount of time in a day. And I can't understand how some get more done than other, but you got to double time it, right? When I'm working out, I have the book in my ears. Doing this, you have to be doing that because your time is limited and you got to respect people's time when you're approaching them too. you know, be on time send stuff out before, you know? Well, Scott, this has been really enlightening, really interesting. You're really a pioneer in the, in the space. I, we really appreciate you and best of luck during this uh, kind of trying time for restaurants. It sounds like you guys are adapting and you will survive. Thank you for listening to the green entrepreneur podcast. To find out more about green entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's rightaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.